Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. It was the first time I would get on a plane to head anywhere for work. I was headed to New York and I was under a lot of anxiety for a lot of personal reasons, family reasons. And it was the first time that I'd leave my baby girl at home while I traveled. She wasn't even one years old. So I hopped on the plane. And while I was under a lot of stress, I had no idea who I would meet on the other side. I was going to a conference called Blogging While Brown. Some of you may remember it, but it was a gathering of black and brown bloggers long before social media really, really took off the way it would later. And bloggers had the influence, not just social creators. As I would arrive at the main auditorium, I saw someone that I'd reached out to while my teams had been doing outreach to get some coverage for the brand. It was Eva, Eva Green Wilson. I hadn't seen her since what? I guess it would have been Carnival in Atlanta back in the 90s. See, the little secret is that I used to date a brother and we were all pretty tight. In fact, I rocked her firstborn when he was a baby. He's now about 23, 24 years old. Shout out to Evan. Listen, it was so great to see Eva then. And it's fair to say that Eva and I have been thick as thieves ever since. In fact, if you read No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll just include myself. She is the friend in chapters eight and part of chapter nine, where we talk about how we as people of color sometimes don't center ourselves. You know, it's a rough time out there right now. And I liken the time that's going on in our culture and our society right now with the angst and the anxiety that I felt on a personal level back then. That was the beginning of sheer hell in my life. Thank God I made it through and I'm more resilient for it. But here's to hoping that we come out on the other side of everything that's going on in the world with the same resilience and the ability to walk in our power as Americans, but also as black people. You'll recall that whenever things get thick in the world, I call a friend. Today is no different. Today, I call my sister friend, my Sarar. She's a creator. She's an entrepreneur. She is known as Soka Mom. I'm talking about Eva Green Wilson. Let's dial her now. Hello, Eva. Hey, girl. Hi. 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 You know, it's been a while since we've we've talked like this, and I appreciate you coming on the show. But sometimes, you know, it gets a little crazy in the world, and you got to phone a friend. So here I am. Listen, it does. How are you? It does, and I am very happy to hear your voice. I'm glad to hear yours, too. How are you doing in Chicago? What's it like up there right now? Um, it is very warm right now. That's, that's the main thing that's happening up here. It's, you know, the usual summer shenanigans. Um, kids are out doing things that we hope kids are not going to be doing, but they do it every summer. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much what's dominating the news out here. Kids just acting wild at the beach or what they call the beach here in Chicago. It's a lake, but you know. (laughs) Well, sand and water, I guess that all counts, right? 
yes, you take what you can get. Yeah. So, you know, you said it's unseasonably warm. What's the temperature? Because I know in the South, um, you can see the devil sitting on the curb. <laughs> have an iced tea. So, so I don't know what, because, you know, when I moved here, I was only here for a, like the end part of the summer. And then mm -hmm. uh, there was the pandemic. So I don't really know what it's supposed to be like outside, but I know I don't like it. It was like 90, 100 something degrees the other day. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Triple digits in Chicago? It, uh, it was, and it was, and it's like humid, but not, and just windy and like hot air in the, in your face. It's, it's strange. It's strange, but I'm sure for somebody, this is truly home. That's odd to have triple digit temperatures in Chicago. I'll take your word for it because I have absolutely no idea what it's supposed to be. It, during the <laughs> pandemic, I was in the house. Well, the kids say bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. That's what I was yes, doing. Yes, yes. Well, and for the listeners out there, they need to know that you came from D.C. With, like within the last two, three years. Yes, yes. And D.C. warm, East Coast warm is different from the center of the country Midwest warm. So it takes some getting used to. Well, and I feel sorry for the people in New Orleans. We reached 104, but I'm talking 115. That's just sheer hell. I mean, and climate change has to be real. This is not normal. This can't no. be normal. No. No, we're not used to getting 104 degrees before we hit August here in Texas. Something is definitely off. The winters are dramatic and then the summers clearly are off the charts so I hope people start to believe that climate change is real I really do I just hope that people bring their bottled water with them for Essence Festival because folks are going to be passed out on Bourbon <laughs> Street for other reasons <laughs> for reasons that are not fun it's right <laughs> I'm really afraid oh my gosh I'm really afraid so I take it you're so you're not going no, I'm not going. And you know what? Let me tell you why. I've been to Essence several times in the past. And the only reason why I would go is if I was being paid to work. And the last time I went, I was definitely doing that. I was actually speaking. I hosted one of the officers at AT&T in a fireside chat with Chris Gardner, you know, your friendly neighborhood pursuit of happiness billionaire. Yes. And so... Between that and then taking uh, Rev Run and Justine Simmons there the year before, and um, also I think NABJ was back to back with Essence and just the crowds, Eva, my goodness. My hotel was literally five minutes from the convention center. And I it took me like an hour to get there because of wall to wall traffic, just, just gridlock. It's not a fun thing. That sounds horrible. I, I, yeah. I cannot imagine that. I mean, I enjoyed the music and the concerts were awesome. You know, you get to hear the, the standards, the Jill Scott. This year they have Janet Jackson, which is huge. Uh -oh. But no, that no. And, and the other reason why, because I know there are entrepreneurs, speakers, authors, you know, people who are in business for themselves that are so excited to be at Essence you know, be on the dais. And I don't want to slight essence. And you're not going to get paid a big fee. I do know that. But the other part of it is my audience isn't really there. So it doesn't make good business sense for me to be there. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But so just personally, you're not, that's, you're still not interested just going to hear no. the speakers of the band. See, here's the thing. <laughs> Right. It really is about the target audience. Okay. So think about it. The women that go to Essence that really take it in, the core audience, and I'm not saying that there aren't some outliers, but the core audience will stand in line for an hour and a half for a free bag of goodies. Oh, I'm not doing that. That's I, not I, the group. Who would willingly make the investment in an elite executive coach? The people who would pay my you fee as a coach? Listen, let me tell you who they are. 
there were people like me who showed up to work, who had their teams to put out the, the footprint, right? Who would either come in to work or they were hosted by their company to come and visit the, you know, the executives visiting. It's that group. Right, right. I, I definitely don't see myself. I, I don't want to stand in line to pay for things, let alone stand in line for something free. There so. you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem like the best return on investment for me. You show up, may or may not get paid speaking. Yeah. There are times where I will take a speaking opportunity without a fee because you know that the room is full of clients. Either right, repeat right. speaking opportunity or coaching clients. You know, it'd be different if they said, hey, come talk about your book and, and sign your book because Essence is going to pick up X amount of them and give them away at the event. That'd be different. Yeah, that's my whole thing about Essence. Love so Essence. They, so they can stay hydrated. Stay, stay hydrated, right. friends. Drink water. Drink water. <laughs> Drink water. You know, beyond the heat. It just seems like we're in hell anyway, right? It, right? Yes, you, you are correct. Every day it's something else. Every day. I Some days I just check out entirely and I say, you know what? I don't want to know what the plague is for today. I'm going to just not. No. I just don't even want to know. No. I'll find out no. in somebody's Twitter recap what this week, how many plagues I missed this week. It's just so much. <laughs> and it seems like... You know, this monkeypox thing, it, it did remind me of the way, well, sort of the way we learned about COVID. Of course, we had leadership that didn't really want to tell us the real deal, but with monkeypox. But what I'm learning about these pandemics is when they make that report, chances are it's already in the United States. And that's what they find out later. Yeah, I'm pretty sure by the time we heard that first report, I think the very next day, they were like, oh, there's one in Massachusetts. And then you hear there's one in Florida. And then, you know, it's just moving around. And, you know, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel the same as COVID to me because at least you can look it up, right? You can look up yeah. and see, oh, it's endemic in this place. And this is how these other people are dealing with it. And these are the vaccines that are available that might only be 80% effective, but something can be done. Uh, COVID was a lot scarier because I felt like things were being yeah. hidden. And with monkeypox being endemic in some places, you can't hide but so much. You might be able to hide the actual number of cases nearby people, but you can't really hide a whole lot about it. Apparently the smallpox vaccine will knock it out. So we, we already know how to deal with it. With yeah. COVID, we had yeah. nothing. We, we had no we had idea. And nothing. then it was, you know, get a mask. Wait, no, don't get a mask because the people in the hospitals need the mask. Wait, now please go get yeah. a mask. It was just every day was a new thing. For them, it's not for you. Oh, by the way, it's for you and them. <laughs> right. It's like everybody put on a mask. Now it's everybody take off your mask. And then very quietly they say, uh, we really would like it if you put your mask back on. Oh my gosh. Just, yeah. I, I just really wish that this would come to a close or at least get to the, get to flu point. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's yeah. just starting to get overwhelming. But you know it's hard because you it do is, have that group is. of people. You've got that group of people that never wanted to wear a mask, don't, never wanted to get vaccinated and won't. And they're walking among us. So I'm double vaxxed, but I still am aware that I can catch COVID. So I do mask. And you can almost tell people's politics by how they respond in a, in a crowd or crowded place <laughs> or plane. Oh, my gosh. The, the airports. Uh, my friend that just left, she was like, it might be 10% masked. Might wow. be. Wow. 
And I'm wow. like, this is an airport. People are going back and forth, back and forth. They're going, they're traveling with this thing and just yeah. moving it around the country. And I'm like, you know what? If you wanted to say in your local area, take your mask off, you'll be fine. Yeah. You could have at least left it on international flights. You could have left it on local flights. You could have left it on public transportation. But it just doesn't seem sound. I get it because yeah. the economy was going into the toilet. You had to do something. But I feel like it could have been a more measured response. This didn't make sense. Yeah, the CDC kind of pulled some wild ones there. <laughs> Recently, we're back on a plane in a few weeks um, to go to Hawaii. It's an, an eight-hour flight. It's like flying to London. And we're going to oh, be wow. double masked. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Put on two of them. And I have a, another friend that she travels relatively often. She hasn't gotten the virus in. She's double uh, boosted, I believe. And she wears a mm -hmm. really cute face shield with her two masks and has yet to be infected. And she's always very, very careful because she has, you know, older parents and definitely yeah. doesn't want to get anybody sick. So it's not that it doesn't work. It's just that people don't want to be slightly inconvenienced for a short period of time. Well, and this is what I'm, I'm seeing. I am seeing friends in my circle who dodged it the entire time that we were in lockdown. When we were out of lockdown, we got the vaccine. I have a friend that works in hospitals, dodged it all this time then suddenly got it had it before and they all seem to be getting it and the indication to me is we've let up on some of our distancing our mask wearing all the things that we knew to do our hand washing our wiping down groceries we're, we're we we got caught slipping and even if you are vaccinated you can get it it won't be as bad but i'll tell you i have friends who are double vaxxed and they get it they will tell you it is not fun. I have heard from my friends that are getting it now, because like you said, people let their guard down. We've been cooped up for a long time, so I do get it. But people let their guard down and they say that thing is no joke. Some people, yeah. and now it's not as much respiratory system uh, symptoms. It's just these headaches and body aches mm -hmm. and all of these things that are just really, really scary and unpleasant. And I... Yeah, I still want to avoid that. I and, and you don't know what it's going to do to you. Some people feel nothing. Some people have these terrible symptoms. I don't, I'm already getting old. I don't need brain fog. My, yeah. my brain is fogged enough. I'm good. I need to leave it where it is. <laughs> and we don't know the long-term effects. Um, this is one of the reasons why Joni and I decided against the Disney cruise. We're going to do the Disney cruise this summer. And then it occurred to me, even if we do not have presenting um, symptoms, you have to take the test before you get on the ship, right? To port at these different fun places. And then before you get on the ship, you have to test again. What if one of us tested positive in one of these foreign countries? We have to quarantine there. And it's it expensive. It's expensive. Yes. It's very, very expensive. And, and oh, you're not in the U.S. anymore. Yeah. And America just lifted their international thing. It's it's crazy. It is crazy. But I'll be staying here. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Um, You've been pretty dedicated to staying home. Yes, pretty much. Like we've done small trips like we went to Hilton Head. Um, we went to, and that was a Disney thing, and they're pretty good with their protocols, yeah. at least at the time they were. I don't know what they're doing now, but, uh, you know, we went to see family, but they understood we were, we're going to be masked in your house. I hope that you don't think that we don't trust you, but everybody I know who's gotten it has been at somebody's home. It's not usually at the grocery oh, store or... Yeah. at a mall or something like that. You went to a party or a birthday party or you went and sat with your grandmother or something like that and had no idea that they were sick until you get sick. So um, I just said, 
you know, I hope you guys aren't offended, yeah. but you're not going to see my face. So there's, there's that. And we were able How to go for a full week. They're good. They, you know, here's the thing. They know that if they get it, they're going to have to quarantine and they don't want to do that. They have yeah. no intention of spending any part of their summer locked away in a room, getting their meals kind of shoved to them around the corner so that nobody else gets sick. They don't want to do that. So I told them, you know, if you want to have fun, you want to go out with your friends, you want to do all that stuff, you're going to have to do it with a mask on your face. That's the sacrifice that you make. I'm pretty sure your friends know what you look like. And if they don't, send them a picture. But other than that, those are your options. If you <laughs> want to hang out and have a great time, you can do so, but you need to have a mask on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I told Joni that the only way we we're going to go on summer vacation was if she got her booster. And now, you know, she's nine. So that's available for kids her age now. Yes. And yes. So we're going to get that done. Oh, and yeah. We're going to be masked up. And uh, but most of what we do is going to be outside, um, you know, traveling. Once you get off the plane, unless you're going to some kind of festival, you can stay away from people. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. You really, really can. Yeah. So I want to kind of change topics for a second from plague to uh, wars and rumors of war and the little war that happened January 6th um, at the Capitol. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And there's a gosh. whole hearing going on right now. Yes. Can you believe I've... some of the that's coming out? It is really frightening. Um, what somebody will do to hold on to power. It's like, this is the stuff you read about in your history books with like, you know, you don't read about that in modern times. This is power grabs that you're used to reading about in ancient Rome or, you know, parts of Europe and, and this, that, and the third. You don't mm -hmm. expect that in the last 200 <laughs> years that you would have those kinds of you know, grabs for power. It's just very strange. And so when I'm listening to these recaps and things, it's it's interesting that you have some people that were just like, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do what you're asking me. And then others who knew that it was a lie, but they yes. wanted to hold on to the little bit of power that they had too. So they didn't say anything. They might've hinted it and said, hey, uh, I'm not going to sign on to this. But there are some people who just needed, and they're not even holding the highest office. They're holding no. like county offices <laughs> and no. they don't want to lose that. I didn't, well, you know I, what it never occurred me? to me that power was that seductive. Okay, well, let's, let's call it what it really is. It's power, but it's also white supremacy. It's oh, quite yeah. a drug. Man, apparently people get high on that all the time. I, I was watching one, uh, one of the recaps that was about a, like, what was he? I think two thirds of the board voted that there was no fraud in their little election or whatever. And this guy, one of the guys on the board who happened to be there for January 6th, he says, uh, I just have a gut feeling. I don't need any evidence because they're like, there is no evidence. We've recounted 50 times. He says, there is no evidence. He's voting with his gut. His gut says oh. that there was fraud. Yeah. I'm I did like, hear somebody say they just knew it in their heart. Yeah, even in, though in their heart. they have seen evidence to the contrary. Yes. And did you see how they dragged that mother and daughter that's where I was going with this. That, that woman, was so first of all, let me just say she's a patriot and an American hero to sit there and be in this hearing, the bravery it must have took based on what she's been through and who knows what she's going to go through now that she's shown her face. I mean, it's it's unreal what they went through just like to be doxxed by the president of the United States. It's crazy. That is horrifying. Like we thought that it was a big deal that he attacked Colin Kaepernick, right? We were like, wait, what? You can yeah. you can do that? 
Right. You can just say those things because apparently, you know, there's a whole lot of things that the president is not supposed to do and affecting people's livelihood is one of them. But, you know, they let well, that go. Well, and here's the other thing. There, there are things that leaders don't do. Right. And that is understanding your position and how you have a bully pulpit. That's why it's called that. That well, if you were to reach down into the masses. That he could obliterate someone with just a few words. And but he, he knows but that. the thing is, he knew it. He knew he could do it. And that's why he did it. And he tried to make an example out of her and her daughter to say, listen, true or not, if I say it's true, it's true now. It's Whether it's sick. actually fact, it doesn't matter. It's true when I say it. It's just sick. And those it is, it is. women's lives are, they'll never be the same. They can't live the way they used to live ever again. They live in fear. I mean, can you imagine the FBI telling you, you need to leave your home? And she said she'd lived there like over 20 years. She has to leave her home to protect herself from the president and his minions? Like, what? That absolutely is giving some medieval witch hunt weirdness. Like, your government is telling yeah. you to run from your own government. It's so odd. There are things happening in our country and in the world. I say they're biblical, and they, they are, like, legitimately biblical. If, even if you go back to the Old Testament, I'm waiting on locusts. But if you go all the way to the back of the book, <laughs> the Revelations, there are things that are aligning. And it's pretty darn scary. Yes. Then add on top yes. of it, living while Black. Oh, my gosh. Well, sometimes it's living while Black. Sometimes it's dying while Black. You, you just never know what it's going to be that day. That's it. It's very, very frightening and frustrating. How are your kids doing during all of this? How are your kids doing during all of this? And, and mind you, they're older. Yeah, it's it's different for each one of them. My oldest, you know, he's like, I don't want to live in fear. I, I'm it's it's exhausting, and I don't want to do it. And then my middle son, it's it's interesting. He when the George Floyd and all of that first started he said to me, you know, this is the first time that I really understood that I am a black man. Wow. And that's really frightening. He had never been afraid of his blackness before. And he never considered what his blackness meant to other people. What a way to learn your identity. Yeah, and it was it was jarring because he's watching these protests up and down our street and he's going, this is about me and people who look like me. And it's only because of what we look like. It has nothing to do with who we are as people. So when I walk out into the street, I have to think about what other people are thinking. And he had never really dealt with that before. And, you know, some people say, oh, that's being sheltered. No, that's just living like a normal human being should live because a lot of our country lives like that. The majority, well, for now, of our country lives like that. They walk out the door and their race is not the first thing they think about at all. They think about, oh, I'd like to go to the store. I'd like to go to the beach. I'd like to do this. But Black people have to think, okay, where can I go that they're not going to give me a hard time? And, you know, I got to make sure that my card acts right today. Let me call and check my balance because I don't have time for them to be calling me a broke yeah. so-and-so. <laughs> like, it's just a lot that they have to think about. And that's why it is a privilege in our world to do the normal things in life. It's It's... It's a privilege for someone to yeah. be able to street and not be bothered. And that's a privilege we do not have. 
Right. And so I wanted to ask you, because my kids didn't think about this. We didn't have all of this going on at the time uh, when my kids were Joni's age. How oh was she dealing? Okay. So Joni is inc insightful and wise, but a baby all at the same time. So it was complicated. I have kept her away from yeah. the news around J January 6th, the hearings, all of that. You couldn't avoid the pandemic, which actually scared the life out of her because she did understand mm -hmm. that she could bring that home to her grandparents. They don't live with us, but we're close, right? And they see her right, all the time. Right. They keep her when I, I need to be out and about. So that scared her. And she was always wondering if one of us was going to die. When it comes to the school shootings, which we haven't even got to yet, we may as well mm. go there. Because in the midst of, gee, we're kind of coming out of this pandemic and the craziness with how it, it impacted school. She was facing bullies at the school. So I was dealing with all of that and helping her to heal when Uvalde happened, when Buffalo happened. And I was particularly intentional about not telling her this. And I knew she wasn't going to hear it from anybody at school. She was going to be home with me and then go to summer camp. So she goes to summer camp every day. Mm -hmm. And I try to keep the news off. Uh, my parents try and keep the news off. You know, I've got aging parents too. So we've got things that we're dealing with there. So you kind of have to pick and choose when. Right. And I know that she's getting better and better and better. She's feeling better. But every once in a while, she gets wind of something that's going on. And she has questions. And I answer them. And I know that when she goes back in the fall, they will probably go through safety drills that she's never done. Because of Uvalde and all of that, and I'm prepared to have that conversation. But Joni hears these things and she internalizes them. And it's close to home for you guys because y'all are right there in Texas. Like you're. Yeah, well, it's a little piece away. It's... I mean, because Texas is a big state, but still, when it was fourth graders, Joni was coming out of the fourth grade. When yes, went down. yes, that's very close. And to I home. still can't look at television yeah. when they put those little faces yeah. on there. I still cry when they show the little caskets with Hello Kitty, you know, the, the, the Simpsons casket. And it's just not even five feet long. And I, they're babies, they're, they're babies. And it's, it's just, un, it's unbelievable. And what's really more unbelievable is that why is it so hard it's insane to me that we have to fight to fix it. Mm. Like it's it's after Parkland, you know, you would think that all, it wouldn't be so hard to say, hey, is somebody who beats their wife is more than likely not, they shouldn't have a gun. Or, you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard to put these things in place. So it kind of makes me think, um, what do these legislators have to hide? Are they trying to tell you that they can't have a gun either? Like, what is, what is the problem with putting some safeguards in place? It shouldn't be this difficult well, to protect I'm children. almost certain that the NRA pays many of them. That's, that's my gut. I'm going with. Oh, yes. It, they, but then. They put that much, those. They put how much they paid them out there, and it is a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and I also know because of that, they look for all the reasons. So in the case of Uvalde, you know, the, the thought is almost moved away from the gunman who did it because they wrote that off as mental health. And then, unfortunately, because the police officers that arrived there and were essentially keystone capers were incapable, we're distracted by that. And they won't get back to the fact that if this young man didn't have access to this AR-15. Right, that their caskets can't be open. I mean, first of all, they shouldn't be in a casket, but that their parents can barely yeah. identify them. Like this doesn't, 
it shouldn't be this way. And I honestly have avoided the talk about the police officers because there shouldn't have been someone in there exactly. in the first place. I'm not saying that the officers, what they did was right, wrong. Well, we know it was wrong, but I'm not saying that that is the root no. of it. The root of it is that there was a crazy man who was allowed to purchase a weapon and probably could have purchased a lot more if he wanted. And there will be one after yes. him if we don't do anything. So I've watched the politicians from the other side get on camera and list the litany of things and will not even fix their face to say anything about a gun. They will talk about making our schools more safe. They will talk about training our officers. They will talk about mental health. They will talk about all the things and avoid the fact that a person had a weapon of war in a place that he shouldn't have killing people. You know, that, you know I'm still thinking about Buffalo. And, and I, you know, I have two elderly right. parents. I was in our local grocery stores are primarily black patrons. I have literally told them to go across the bridge and go to the other supermarket where it's predominantly white. I had I was just about to say if they're talking about school safety, all right. Well, so what do you so what do we need? Grocery store yeah. safety mm -hmm. policies as well. Like it's not about the school safety. It's not schools yes. should be safe. They're they're schools. So it's it's not about securing our schools and locking them down like prisons because we can't do that yeah. everywhere. Grocery stores, are you gonna lock your churches down next? Because those yep. are the, those are targets. So I don't understand why people are so afraid. Well, I understand why, but they shouldn't be so afraid to start with the gun because that's yeah. where the problem is. That's where the problem is, the gun and the person holding the gun. But nobody and wants to do that. Unfortunately for me, I spend less time thinking about the actual gunmen than the people in D.C. and, and even in our state and local governments who are standing by as the number continues to to rapidly rise. I think the last 150 something mass shootings and every weekend there are more. And I just, I see blood on the hands of our elected officials. But you remember when they came after the elected officials at that baseball game and they didn't do anything then. I said, so this isn't even yeah. about self-preservation. <laughs> like no. they want that power so badly yeah. that they will die for it. Yeah. They have no problem with that. Absolutely. If they won't protect themselves, they're not gonna protect random children that they don't right. know. I gotta ask you. So um, part of the talking point, when someone raises, especially when it has a race aspect to it, they like to point to Chicago. And and nothing else boils my blood more than to hear that because that they're essentially saying, well, black people shoot each other all the time. Look at Chicago. Like that justifies what else is going on in the country. You feel. Um, so we hear about there's actually a tally that we hear usually by Sunday of the number of shootings that take place mm -hmm. in Chicago. And it is alarming, um, but it is yeah. also comparable totally. to a lot of other large cities. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, Chicago is a strange place to me being an outsider because it's a very segregated Absolutely. city. So, you know, when you hear about violence, it's usually talked about from a very concentrated area. You know, all of the black people or most live in one place, right. maybe two, <laughs> you know? Um, if there's violence in a Hispanic area, everybody's in the same place. So it doesn't feel like it's scattered about the city, you know? Yeah. And then the police presence is a lot higher in those places. So they don't, they also don't talk about how many of those shootings are mm -hmm. by police. So, you know, a little while ago, a 12 year old, I think Hispanic kid yeah. shot in the back by police. 
like the a lot of the shootings that happen here are by police. Wow. So they don't mention that part of it because there's over policing yeah. in certain places and they're too lazy to chase you. <laughs> I actually had a policeman tell me when I was living in DC, tell your kids don't run because the older cops are just going to shoot you and explain it later because wow. they're not going to chase you. Wow. I was like, oh, and they have no problem saying it. Close to retirement. Yeah. Don't care. Yes, they'll say, well, and, and the evidence has shown that. And it was so interesting. After he said that to me, I started to hear these reports of kids, because these kids can run. Like, I'm talking about, if you've ever watched some of these videos of these kids escaping the police, there's no catching them. They hit a fence and yeah. <laughs> that's that. But yeah, they'll yeah. shoot you in the back. And, and they'll figure out yeah. a way to explain it away. And we'll never hear about it again. So how does it make me feel when I hear that? I, I'm not shocked because this focus on Chicago uh, is nine times out of 10 because of Obama and the focus that the old president put on yeah. Chicago. Everything was a problem because it was related to Obama everything i'm surprised he hasn't hawaii. attacked hawaii just because that's where the man came from like like anything that had to do with him so people who paid no attention to chicago before who've never been here barely watch the news that is their go-to thing it is the other kind of veiled racist thing that you can say well the shootings are once you read them like you go through the numbers because i i do look at it uh, when they talk about the motivations, many of the many of its per they're, they're it's personal. personal. It's very rare that it's just a random person like we hear about in these high schools or random concert shootings or street shootings. It's not like that, right? I know I it, I hate to generalize, but well, you know this isn't new. This is, you a, know if you want, yeah, <laughs> you know you you got you got to tread lightly on that comment, but you know. It's personal. Somebody said something to somebody. Somebody been waiting on somebody for this long. And this person got into a domestic dispute with this person. Like once you go through what was happening, not to justify it, but it's not a random shooting like Look, that. I mean, it's, it's, it's common knowledge. Very rare. This is um, a topic that SNL has taken on. It's a topic that was in Barbershop yeah. too. Uh, joked about it too, you know, uh, because during that time when Barbershop 2 came out, there was a mass shooting and the gunman happened to be black. And there was this uh, general loathing from black people because we're like, gee whiz, this isn't like us because shooting is because there's a beef or it's personal or it's one to one, even if it's robbery. It's not spraying the whole thing. And I think statistically you will find that black shooting doesn't happen the way these mass shootings typically happen. And you know, there is always an outlier and this one happened to be the DC sniper. I remember the DC sniper and that scared the mess out of me. And I know I was, and I was in DC. And I, I know I wasn't the only one who was shocked to hear it was a black man. I was like, you, yeah. you're a liar. Because even, even the experts were looking yes. for a white man all yes. that time. Because that is not no. the profile of a mass shooter. So it's, it's like a false equivalency to say, well, what about Chicago? Okay, how many mass shootings on the South Side None. of Chicago are there? <laughs> I would mm -hmm. venture to say zero. It is somebody walking to a store looks like somebody that somebody else had beef yeah. with. He, you know, and it's some sort of a, a a shootout or something. You may have a stray bullet hit a kid in the car, which is highly unfortunate. Those kinds of things, but you know, right. it, they're not the same. It's not the same. It, what about Chicago is is not going to that has nothing to do with. A, a guy walking into a school with some sort of high-powered weapon with the sole purpose yeah. of murdering children. No. It's not the same. No. Oh, there's so much going on. It's a lot, but like you said, where the locusts, please. I'll take locusts now. 
I'll go ahead and have them. I, I think I was ready for the zombies somewhere halfway through 2020. I was like, bring them. Um, yeah, because I was already at home. You know what I'm saying? I, I can barricade here yeah. for a while. Um, still had my little stockpiles of food and toilet paper, so I could take on yeah. zombies at this time. I um. I'm just really interested to see after all of this, what comes out of these January 6th hearings. Is someone going to get arrested, please? Because if it had been mm. anyone else, anybody else, if you know how they like to say, what yeah. about Obama? If Obama had done any yeah. of this, he would be under, under the plus, prison. Huh. Strung up in the, in the, uh, in the nation's under square. The prison. Because if they were going to hang Mike Pence, what do you think would have happened? Look, I mean, that's the fact that we had honest to God Trumpers in these conversations who were saying, I'm going to stick to my oath. That's some next level. That's next level. Even the Trumpers knew better. Oh, you know, one of those guys said he'll vote for him again. Yeah. He said he'll vote for him again. I said, so we're never getting out of this madness yeah. is what you're saying. We're never leave. It's never yeah. going to be over. And is he still going to have Pence as his running mate in 2024? If Pence is smart, he stood up and did not do what Trump wanted him to do. He needs to ride that tide. I don't think getting on his ticket mm. is the way to go. But you know what? I've seen crazier things. <laughs> Zombies. zombies. <laughs> I mean, and zombies. Over 19. And my <laughs> zombies. And my shooting God. up schools and grocery stores. We've seen it all. We have, t- man, we were like, nothing could be worse than 2020 and 2022. Hold my, like, hold my mule. Yeah, I got you. Eva, we got to, I'm going to put on my coaching hat right now. And I've got to ask the question in everything that we're seeing. What's the silver lining? What's what's the opportunity in it for us? I think the opportunity, at least for content creators, if if that's what you're doing, oh my gosh. Yeah. You have so many opportunities to jump in with because you see a lot of people are being made off of one hot tip. Yeah. You know? So you have opportunities on TikTok to spend a minute and a half giving your hot take and you'll find other people agree with you. So I think for people who want to create content and want to build their brand, I'm so tired of hearing and saying build your brand, but if that's something that you want to do, you have lots of content that is just being given to you. I mean, can you beat (laughs) monkeypox? No, you can't beat monkeypox. Right. So there's a lot of opportunities out there for comedians, for authors, for basically anybody to to really capitalize on these stories. It's a crazy, crazy world. But you're right. And, you know, for my leaders, I'm encouraging them to expand their view, because now that the geography is up in the air, especially when it comes to new opportunities, when it comes to jobs and such, and many companies being far more flexible with the remote and hybrid working, you can make your way up the ladder faster than ever before. And move very quickly. Mm-hmm. The, the, the hopscotch is a lot faster than it used to be. I'm seeing people who they said, you know, they come in what they feel is entry level and within a year and a half, two years, they've really jumped further than they would have, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. Right. They can they can really show off their skills in this, I don't want to say post-COVID, but kind of a thing with things being more virtual, you have more time, you have more space to be creative and kind of show off what you can do without the office politics, you know, of who doesn't eat lunch with this person and, and who wasn't invited to this after office event. You can kind of work around some of that uh, so that you can 
really be known for what you're good at, not just your a shining personality or this person got promoted because they're funny or cute or a, a, a good conversationalist. Yeah. Not everybody. And can that. we pour some out for the internet? Because <laughs> let's do it one time for the internet. It's driving all of this. <laughs> it is democratized and it's anybody's business. So that means if you're a creator and you can get on TikTok because you have the freedom to do that and you have a shot and opportunity, just like um, these leaders are able to move places and go places because they are now not geographically bound or now they've got some psychological safety because they are behind a camera and a computer. I mean, just the other day, I spoke to hundreds of employees at a company sitting right here in my home studio. Used to be I had to travel to do it. I really think that not only is it amazing for, you know, the, the thing is some people have been doing this forever, yeah. right? They have, they had figured out a lot earlier that, cause Skype has been a thing for a long yep. time. Um, Zoom and before that it was uh, Zoom. They had something called, I think it was Voot. They had a whole bunch of other things that people were using and they had figured out how to make money everywhere. Yeah. And now anybody can do anybody. And I think that one of the things that has been pretty much anybody, that's what I'm thinking. But what I think is really the best part about this is that it doesn't fully level the playing field, of course, but it takes race out of so many different it does. things. Right? It says, you know what? It like things you wouldn't have access to or wouldn't know about because it's only talked about in certain right. circles and those circles happen to be predominantly white. It's available to any and everybody if you look for yeah. it. And I find that to be beautiful. I really do believe that the internet is is one of the biggest equalizers when it comes totally. to Totally. I mean, now. think about the, what, how old was she? She was 15 years old, 16 years old who had her device and semblance of mind to roll video on those police officers that put their knee yes. on George Floyd's neck, kicked off an entire yes. global yes. reprimand on anti-Blackness. Now, you can debate all yes. day how effective it was, but folks were in the street. And even if it was temporary, she put a lot of money into black people's pockets yeah. because every company, even if it was temporary, yep. had a DEI uh, initiative immediately. So that? that affected pockets everywhere. There were brothers and sisters who've been deserving of a promotion for 10 years or more, or even less, that got their promotion finally because of that young girl's action. Because a 15 year old girl put out, pulled out her camera yep. is why you got your promotion. That is some far reaching yeah. stuff. And you can say it was because George Floyd died, but at the end of the day, if we didn't see George Floyd die, would we be talking about this? And there's been so many since then. Like, you know, you, you, before that, you had the kid with the camera, with, with his phone that they said was a yep. gun. You've got, uh, you know, people, it's all sorts of things. I feel like Ahmaud Arbery was before him. Yeah, he was. I feel like, so it's not to say that it was, that it was that George Floyd was the Jesus Christ yep. of, you know, this movement. There were so many that died before this. Yeah. But when that girl pulled out her camera and she stayed and she held it for the full thing, for the aftermath. And then there were others in the community that got it from other angles. Yeah. So and, and I think one of them, it was a, a black man who owned a store that happened to be on that corner. 
and he turned over his cameras. So in conjunction with what she did, just having a device yeah. is yeah. huge. Huge. Changed now at a, a huge price, a huge yes. price, not just because we lost a life, but her yes. mental health took a huge hit. She's still dealing with this. Like I could never, I could not imagine watching a man die. I couldn't do that at that age. That's ridiculous. Like, it's like, you know, young, the little girl who survived in Uvalde. And two days after smearing blood on herself to play dead, she had to go to Capitol Hill and have the wherewithal to testify. And these men still won't fix it. Nope. These grown men still will not fix it. These grown men with, with children and grandchildren will not fix it. Because as we started this discussion, it's about power. And even if it's a tiny bit, they will hold on to it with everything they have. Yep. Yep. That's the real plague. Yeah. <laughs> the power but grab is the real plague. It can plague. hold you accountable because the internet. <laughs> we got you. You know that there are... One time. Um... There, let's see. When I first launched the Culture Soup podcast, there were half a million podcasts out there. It's over a billion now. Do you know how many voices out there to talk the way we're talking right now? Well, you know, some of those people, some of those people don't need to have a podcast. We've been talking exactly. about that. There needs to be somebody who does not have a podcast. Um, oh, I love my people. Yeah. But we have found podcasting oh my and um, there should be some evaluations. There should be. Be before you get to, right, before you get to launch your podcast. Yeah, yeah these days. People are saying anything now. Right. Like, what are we doing with this? Where Where is this going? What, what, what is it about? I don't want to hear what you had for lunch. I know that. <laughs> well, Eva, I have held you far too long, but I so appreciate your friendship, your sisterhood, um, and your ability to just pick up the phone when I need you to talk about the craziness in this world. Well, I appreciate you, Michelle, and I, I also appreciate that you are going to go ahead and end this now, because normally, how long would we be doing this? Like two hours, like this, this could last. <laughs> and I don't think that they want to hear as the entire conversations that we have. Like this, this could be a while. So, so I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Yes, it might be two parts. Listen, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and and chat with you and your uh, followers, your listeners. Um, and I appreciate you trusting me to, to talk with them and talk with you. I had a great time. I always do. Look, um, you my ace spoon coon, what we used to say. Well, look, my my daughter is now reading your book. Like every, it's it's a it's a staple in in our house. Like this is, it's it's right there, front and center on the bookshelf. Just thank you. That's awesome. Give a big hug. I'm planning to get to Chicago before the year is over because I got a ton of clients up that way, and I just well, and I got a ton of friends up that way. So I've, I've just got to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And just make sure that it is before that winter hits. So if you can get up here before like end oh, of yeah. September, because it gets oh, real ugly. I know. <laughs> and I avoid it at all costs. 
All right, Ladybug, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Eva Green Wilson, a.k.a. Soka Mom, my girl, and my soror of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.